This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Also presents Take Care On Air. Interviews, current affairs and events from across Victoria. Also is your community hub and also is proud to sponsor Joy. Hello and welcome to Take Care On Air, the Also Foundation's weekly current affairs, sexual health, culture and community broadcast. I'm Crusader Hillis. And I'm not Kath Duncan, I'm Shane McMaster. I'm filling in for Kath Duncan while she's in Thailand on a disability Junkets. seminar. Junkets. Junkets, yeah, yeah, I'm quite jealous about festival. that. Yes, mm. I know. She's had a few of them in the last year or two. Mm. Look, today on the show we'll be catching up with Jez Pez, the founder and co-editor of the Dude Trans Man magazine. We'll also be talking to Sydney-based social change artist Deborah Kelly about her latest art project that portrays families who've been created through reproductive technology. And later in the show we'll be having a chat with Chill Out Committee member Max Primer about the highlights of this year's Chill Out Festival. But first up we have Lisa Daniel, well-known director of the Melbourne Queer Film Festival, in the studio to take us through a direct Eye view of this year's Queer Film Festival program. Good afternoon, Lisa, and welcome. Afternoon. How are you both? We're pretty good, actually. Now that the weather's uh, not quite as insane, it's uh, a little bit better. It is a little bit better. Now, look, a year can't be a long time in the life of a Queer Film Festival director. I'm sure you're hardly finished programming one festival when you need to be on the next. How long does it take to bring a festival like ours together? Good question. I actually just started the 2013 database about four weeks ago. So you pretty much are starting one as you're launching another. So, you know, just as you, you sort of lock off your own program, we sort of lock off. So the festival's March 15 to March 25. We lock off around about January 5. And pretty much then, you know, there's Sundance in Berlin. So some great festival potential comes up for 2013. So I sort of basically start the, the planning for then, uh, you know, now. And do you get to go to any of these other festivals? I don't get to go to Berlin and Sundance because they're just before our festival. So there's just I just couldn't do it schedule-wise. But I do get a frame line, which is the San Francisco, uh, San Francisco yeah, yeah, which is kind of like we call it the kind of queer film. So, And I, I would like to get to Toronto at some stage. They have a pretty good stable of queer titles then, and that's kind of October, November. I could possibly go to that. So, Lisa, this is uh, festival number 22, is that correct? That's correct, yep. Yep, so I understand that the festival has a large selection panel, that has a large board, there's many people involved. A lot of organisations really struggle to get people involved on a regular basis yep. and having a really strong presence and yeah. a strong work ethic behind the festival. Yep. What's your secret? How do you keep the vibe going year after year? Yeah, I think any organisation is only as good as its, as its whole team. I mean, you can have great leaders and that sort of thing, but, you know, I guess the the leadership has to come from the top down but you know I think uh, keeping good people interested in the festival is uh, is key for us look I think you know f- film is something that people mostly like I mean it's it's not brain surgery it's a fun thing it's entertaining um, being part of organising a festival that is all about film you know it's it's not a difficult thing it's you know it's stressful and that sort of thing but it's a fun thing so you know it, it isn't difficult to get selection panel members it's not difficult to get board members um 
a lot of our board have been around for a long time. They've stayed on the board for a long time. And some of our selection panels have been on the panel for eight or ten years. So what we try and do is sort of keep uh, a good stable of uh, long-term advocates for the festival, like either on the board or the selection panel. And then, you know, we, you absolutely need to have newbies every so often to bring a fresh face to the festival. So, And, you know, we have, we have volunteers that have been volunteering for the festival for years and years. So um, I think, you know, a lot of uh, people involved in the festival look forward to it. It's a great outlet. It's, it's a really good social thing. And it's one of the few events where you can actually see a genuinely queer audience. Like, you, you know, you can go go to the festival club and hang out with your gay friends and your lesbian friends and your trans friends and your bisexual friends, and everybody's together. It's not like, you know, you sort of... Um you know, if you're going if you're going to clubs and you're going to a gay club and you can't necessarily bring your lesbian friends and that sort of thing, so it truly is a really queer event. Yeah. So do you think that's part of the reason why you've been swamped with volunteers year after year as well? That's a good social thing. That's yeah, I think so. We, yeah. we we see a lot of our volunteers, you know, form partnerships with people. They form great friendships. Uh, you know, for every shift they do, they get a ticket to a, another session. So, you know, for for their time, they get a t-shirt and they. It's just a really good experience. So it's not like they're kind of having to be around at four o'clock in the morning moving water barriers or you know, it is hard work, but it's fun work. So, uh, and we try and make it as social as possible. So, I think that's what works for us, and uh, hopefully, we'll continue to work. So, what are some of the films that you get excited about in this year's festival? Um, look, for me personally, I, I really like the selection of uh, foreign language films, and, and some of the films and panels that are part of the activism uh, focus that we have this year. Um, there's some fantastic foreign language stuff. There's a, a great Chilean film called My Last Round, which is about a middle-aged boxer. You know, obviously. Uh, in a very sort of male-dominated, masculine kind of sport, um, he falls for a, a young younger man who ends up in his social sphere, and they end up in this loving relationship. But through uh, sort of homophobia and some misunderstandings, they have some issues in their relationship, and he also has some medical issues that he needs to overcome. And uh, I, I don't want to give too much away, but it's a fantastic story. Um, you know, we have a South African film this year called Beauty, which is a incredibly challenging, but you know, I think a, a really strong film. Um, yeah, just a lot of really good sort of foreign language stuff. I'm, I'm really pleased that, you know, we're seeing more and more things from places like South America and the Asian countries and that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, we, we continue to be flooded with uh, American films, but you can be a bit more selective about, you know, putting uh, lots and lots of American independent fluffy things on. You can actually balance it really well with some foreign language titles. Uh, you also speak about the growth and the quality of trans films. Yeah, we've found a record number of trans films this year. Yeah, can you tell us a bit more about what's on offer this year in the festival for trans people? Yeah, look, a few years ago it was really, really hard to get decent quality trans films. And then we kind of went through this period where we had lots of, um, I guess, transition films, documentaries about people going through the medical aspects, uh, which, of course, are interesting. And I think we'll be seeing those for a long time because it's a very important, crucial part of a trans person's experience. But we are seeing a lot better quality trans material coming in. We've got much more to choose from, uh, a wide variety of topics. You know, some I'm really pleased to say that we're actually getting films now that are just great stories that just happen to have trans characters in them, not... You know, it's not necessarily sort of smashing over the head with a, any sort of political thing. We're just getting really good quality entertainment with a trans story. Um, Gun Hill Road is, is one in particular that I would definitely recommend going to see. And uh, and also Tomboy, which is it's kind of an interesting film. It's sort of touted by the, the festival producers, the film producers as a lesbian film. But for me, it seems more like a trans story. So maybe sort of 20 years ago, maybe in the eyes of the majority, it might have been a lesbian film. But for me, it's more of a trans story. And we've got lots of great trans documentaries. 
and just sort of spread throughout the program this year. So, um, you know, we have a, a dedicated trans doco package, but lots and lots of other trans shorts just throughout the program. How do people find out about, you know, where to get tickets, where, you know, um, the program itself, where do they pick up a program guide? I'd imagine all over town at this point. Yeah, pretty much all over town. We have a company called Step Right Up who, who uh, work for the community and they distribute all over cafes and, you know, around inner city Melbourne, but also sort of a bit further out. So if you can't find one in your local cafe, uh, you can get one online. Obviously, you can have a look online at mqff.com.au. We also have a flip book on the website, which is basically the, the guide. You can just flip through which is just, you know, exactly the same as it's done. It's a very good idea. And so, yeah, it is a good idea. It's an amazing yeah. thing because it, it means then people can print out the pages that they're interested yeah, that they're in and things right. like that. Yeah. And as part of our sort of environmental uh, policy with the City of Melbourne is that we're, we're trying not to print as many programs as we have in the past. So we're sort of gradually eking down the numbers that we print. Um, also, you can pick them up if you're in the city at Acme Cinemas because they're our other ticket seller. And, of course, Hairs and Hyenas is our other major ticket seller. So those three places are the, the best places to get them. But, you know, you have a look at your local company. Okay. Well, look, thank you so much for joining us today, Lisa. There's a hell of a lot. How, how many sessions? Uh, I think it's 92. And uh, any idea about how many films? Uh, 162. I just wow. Know, yeah, so 40, 41 features. and That, you that know, is pretty impressive. Yeah, it's um, good. And so go to mqff.com.au. That's correct, yep. And you'll find out everything you need to know about this year's festival. And we're sure to see half of Melbourne's queer population <laughs> I in, hope so. in the dark. I hope so. Individual health and well-being through stronger community endeavours. Take care out there. Take care out there. So in the studio now we have Jez Pez, the founder and co-editor of Dude Transman magazine. Jez has been very busy over the last month launching Dude in Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane. And he's here to talk to us today about that experience and also to tell us about the future plans for Dude. Uh, welcome to Take Care on Air, Jez. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No worries. Uh, so Dude was first launched just after the 2011 Midsummer Festival and it proved to be an instant hit. It went into two printings and is available free online. Jez, did you expect the reaction to the magazine to be quite as frenzied as it was? Uh, definitely not. It has taken off and it's uh, sort of developed international interest, but it's also grown a pretty solid uh, level of interest here in Australia. Um, we get a lot of organisations, uh, either community organisations or you know medical clinics, and that aspect of service providing um, interested in stocking dude and learning about you know the appropriate language and terminology, but we also get a lot of creative and artistic um, interest throughout Australia, New Zealand and around the world wanting to participate. And I think everyone in Australia, I mean, my experience in Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane, there's a lot of positive hype and just wanting to be involved in something positive and creative where they have uh, representation and can connect with their community. So it's definitely, I did not expect this level of success in a project, but um, there's been so many people involved, including Max Attitude and Alwyn Murray, uh, who helped to really project this project um, further than, than what I could have done by myself, so I must uh, pay thanks to them as well. But yeah, it's, it's certainly doing good and Take Care out there have been very supportive and in um, helping us print the magazine and it is available online at dudemag.org uh, for free downloading and recently we we actually get an average of 200 downloads a day. Oh, that's quite impressive. Yeah. Um, our, very impressive. It's incredible, in <laughs> yeah. fact. If I uh, advertise something, we will get over a thousand people just visiting the website and uh, on average 200 people downloading the, the zine. We get interest from uh, other countries 
he's wanting to translate the magazine into their language. Uh, I only have enough time to be able to be attending to one thing at a time, but um, wow. that's something that's in the pipeline as well. It must be very encouraging to get that sort of feedback. People are supporting the magazine. There must be a real need for that out there. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a need for, for something positive and fun and creative and sexy to help us go out and connect with other parts of the community, like any kind of cruising or sex on site premises and have a tool, something that's that's been successful. It's easier to educate and to communicate with something that people can, you know, it's, that's something that's quite tactile and people can take away and read in their own time. Mm. Yeah. So tell us, what motivated you to start the magazine? Like, what was the reasoning behind it? Well, a couple of years ago, I mean, I'd experienced quite a break from anything trans-related and was just like living my normal life, going and seeing bands, but someone asked me a really inappropriate question and it sort of came came back to me that there's a gap here in um, something that's being addressed and that is other people knowing where the boundaries are and what's appropriate and that's only that can only be overcome through education because it's really coming out of ignorance and lack of exposure or, or lack of experience so that was essentially what I thought would happen and it's worked, there's certainly people uh, people's boundaries are being held to and respected more and I hear cases of where someone may come out in a work environment uh, that they're going to transition and they get asked questions like oh well how are you going to have sex and other people who have read the magazine can step in and this has actually happened and say hey you know that to ask that question dude magazine says <laughs> you know so the, the tool is working to protect people when they're vulnerable as well so the magazine's working for that reason mm. yeah so would you say it sort of helps people to sort through the confusion that it's obviously a very complex area like for people who are experiencing those kinds of yeah. situations as well as people from the outside so you find it that sort of helps to bridge that sort of gap of that's you know, right. lack yeah. of knowledge. Yeah. I don't think it, it most cases it comes out of ignorance. It doesn't come out of harm or malice or wanting to make someone feel uncomfortable but often that is how subtle being offensive can be. So um, if they are informed and educated in a way that makes them feel sort of confident and safe around how to interact with trans people um, without them being you know subjected to being <laughs> sort of you know dragged over the coals for saying something incorrect um, then it just facilitates those interactions in a healthier way. So it gets yeah. more of a discussion happening. Yeah. yeah, and trans people can feel like they've had positive exposure and they're being valued and validated because someone else is aware of terminology. Um, and it just overcomes a lot of the uncomfortable situations. But it also addresses a lot of other issues like sexual health, safer sex. So look, in the last month, you've been incredibly busy. You launched it in Melbourne, then you went up to Sydney and you launched it there, then you travelled up to Brisbane and you launched it there. What was it like in the three cities? What, were there any different difference in characteristics and was it harder to go into cities where you didn't necessarily know the community quite so well? Yeah, I have been thinking about this a lot. I mean, firstly, what a privilege for me to be able to be in each community and get to know so many people. Um, if, if I didn't have a reason like Dude Magazine, then I certainly wouldn't have had access to that building that many relationships, but that gave me insight into the difference in each community and each city. Um, and I guess every community is fraught for different reasons, but I think communities like in Sydney, for example, and Sydney is such a big, thriving city that I think that causes almost more friction by the nature of the way Sydney operates. A little bit more competition, a little bit more openness, more people involved? There's more people involved, so there's more personalities. You know, Brisbane is a bit more laid back, there's less people. Uh, They definitely talk about things, but it seems to me in Brisbane it does it in a way which doesn't alienate people from the community. They've they've only really got one community because of the amount of population, so they're forced to deal with their stuff quickly, swiftly, in, in a healthy way 
way so that they can still interact and see those people out every week. Well, Brisbane and Sydney differed very strongly, I know, in the 80s in terms of the way the women's movement were very much um, structured. Brisbane was much more around discussion, support, and knowing it was a small community and therefore not getting so much into the internecine wars, whereas the, the lesbian and feminist movement in the 80s in Sydney was a hell of a lot more um, uh, competitive, I guess. Mm, well, yeah. That, yeah, I mean, that might be a point as well. Sydney has also been at the forefront of forging a lot of these new territory around rights and advocacy, and it's usually they probably caught the brunt of oppression and any sort of objection from other parts of our society. So perhaps that also has that fighting edge to yeah. it. Yeah. And Brisbane maybe has benefited from Sydney leading the way in a lot of those areas. Yeah. But there's certainly differences in, in communities. But I, I think Brisbane, we have a lot to learn from Brisbane in the way that they approach some things. I think they've done well to have a really sort of cohesive environment up there. And look, last time you were on Take Care On Air, you were on your way to San Francisco to do a presentation on Dude in that city. How did that go? And how does that compare to Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane? <laughs> well, San, Fran- yeah, San Francisco, we exhibited at the Zine Fest, which was really successful. Also, there's a cruising and sauna club up there called Eros, which there are trans men working and uh, they hold nights, especially for non-trans men who are interested to play with trans men. So there's an organisation called TM for M, so Trans Men for Men, and they run a lot of safe sex campaigns and really work to promote healthier interactions and positive sort of sexual environments. So that's something which was incredible in San Francisco. Um, the the population of trans people or gender diverse people is a lot larger over there, so there's definitely more content in discussions, there's more awareness around identities and of diverse identities. So um, that's something that I hope to eventually. I'm just waiting for one club in anywhere in Australia to lead the way and say, hey, let's hire a trans guy on our premises. You know, let's facilitate a campaign around trans guys being visually and obviously included in our spaces um, and promote one night a month of, you know, trans guys playing with men and do it in a safe way. That sounds fantastic. Uh, So there's been two uh, issues of Dude magazine release so far. You're currently in the planning stages for a third. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit more about what readers can expect from the third edition and future editions? Yeah. Currently we're uh, accepting submissions for the third issue, um, which is for the lovers, play partners, families and relationships for people who are involved with trans guys. So it's more um, to showcase and represent experiences from people who have been involved with trans guys. So um, we have a guest editing team for that reason because it's best to have it represented by people in that position. So Kath Duncan is one of the guest editors. Leah Incognito, who's a a writer and poet, is also um, one of the editors. And uh, Nix Matthews is another one. So we're excited to have that team currently already working quite hard on the issue and we're accepting submissions. So photography, writing, experiences, uh, we're even accepting poetry for this issue and we'll probably set up some more photo shoots around the country. So what we expect is on that, that material to cover some nitty gritty type topics about how difficult it can be to be in a relationship with someone who's transitioning, um, how it can challenges your own identity, how the community can respond to that, you know, ideas around sex, um, you know, and relationships and families. So it's, that should be a good, good issue. You're listening to Take Care On Air and we've been speaking with Jez Pears of Dude Magazine. Now, Jez, the question is where do people get a copy of Dude Magazine? And we'll give that website address out again too. Yeah, well, basically you can find where we stock it uh, at dudemag.org. Um, we have different 
stockists around the country in Australia. Uh, in Melbourne, one is Hares and Hyenas. There's a, a few others listed on our website. In Sydney, you can go to Better Red Than Dead and Max Black. And T-Bar, which is a trans group in Brisbane, are going to be selling at their events. And we're looking to stock in a few other bookstores. And there's also stockists in Adelaide and Perth. So you just have to check out our website. You can also download the free version there. And we'll soon be releasing the second issue of Dude for downloading in March. Now, look, finally, issue three is due out. When? Uh, we expect to launch the third issue around August, September. So it's probably going to be a spring issue. And potentially an issue four early next That'd year. That would be early next year, yeah. Yeah, so you're already starting to accelerate. <laughs> look, thanks so much, Chess. It's a pleasure, as always, to have you in here. And we actually have seen quite a lot of changes just in the first year. Yeah, it has been very successful. So thanks for your support and thanks for having me. Joy. Joy. 94.9. You're listening to Take Care On Air on Joy 94.9. And on the telephone now we have Deborah Kelly, an artist who works for social change through her artwork. Acclaimed and very well known for a billboard installation, Hey Hetero, a few years ago, which turned the privilege of being heterosexual on its head in a playful but hard-hitting way. The BoatPeople.org refugee project and her beautiful projections on clouds, Beware of the God project, which started at Sydney's Museum of Contemporary Art and travelled to the Singapore Festival. Deborah is currently working on a new project called Holy Families, which takes iconic religious images from history and gives them a modern twist. Good afternoon, Deborah, and welcome to Take Care On Air. Thank you very much, Crusader. Now, what is the idea behind your Holy Families project? First, I want to tell you that Holy Families was the working title, right? Good. Um, which has got a pun in it, which I must say was making me feel a little bit queasy. The real project, I finally realised what the name is, um, is called The Miracles. Fantastic. The project is about... Well, it's about a lot of things, I guess, as all art is, but primarily what it does is thinks about um, immaculate conceptions, the real immaculate conceptions or virgin births that are happening all around us now with children who are conceived in all of the new ways available to us that are not heterosexual sex. Not in any way to um, insult heterosexual sex, but to say that there are actually ways to make babies which have curious resonances with uh, what my religion, Catholicism, has said about how Jesus and indeed his mother were made. And in fact, there are heterosexual couples in the project, aren't there? Actually, there are quite a lot of heterosexual couples, and they, of course, do have sex with each other, but that's not how they made their babies. Well, hopefully, anyway. So how did you find the subjects for your photographic series? Um, actually, mainly through friends and friends of friends, um, and a few people... A friend of mine is a sociologist who works with um, a lot of queer families in some of her investigations, and she helped me a real lot by asking some of them to ask their friends if they would be interested to participate. And I must say, a lot of people have been really, really into it because they feel invisible and not represented. And the work is going to be in the Gallery of Modern Art in Brisbane, which means that there's quite a lot of respect around the way that they will be shown. And I'm really thrilled to be making that available. That's amazing. Can you give us a little bit of idea about how you're structuring the project? My understanding is that it's based on iconic historical images through the ages of the miracle of conception. That's nearly it, but the truth is there's not that many pictures of the miracle of conception itself. Right. What there there are, though, is a huge canon of works about the Holy Family and a whole lot of moments around 
the pictured life of the Holy Family. So all of the photographs that I'm making of the families who have come to me um, are based on paintings mainly from around the Renaissance, Renaissance, mainly Italy, but some Northern Renaissance masters as well. But all of the paintings that I'm using as the models for the photographs are paintings that live under some kind of questioning of their authority. So perhaps their attribution has changed through the centuries or their provenance has been disputed or, I mean, for instance, a work that was thought for centuries to be by Caravaggio and it turns out that it's by Bellini or somebody that's now called unknown northern Italian master. So those are the works that I'm using. So only works that have um, had some authoritative questioning of their, um, the truth of them because that provides, I think, some poetic analogy to the hostile questions that the families themselves are faced with. So have you had any feedback or involvement from the religious community about your works? Have they had anything to say thus far about what you've been doing? Some of the people in the works are religious people themselves, yep. which is very interesting to me, but I haven't had any actual um, feedback from religious community people because I guess mainly because they don't know about it yet because this work is just being made. In Victoria, where I haven't taken any of the photographs yet, I'm just waiting on permits to do so because it turns out that uh, working with children requires um, state permission in Victoria. Deborah, how do people find out about your work in general? Do you have a website that people can go and have a look at the fabulous Deborah Kelly canon of work? It's very sweet of you to say, Crusader, but actually I don't have a website. You could just Google me and there's a whole lot of material that you can find online. There's my representative gallery is Gallery Barry Keldoulis, which is such a tongue twister. I'm so glad I didn't tangle it up on radio um, but he's got a whole lot of my work on his website so but no there is an essential place I think maybe because my work is so different one from the other I'm actually with my sister right now and she just was saying to me recently you're one of those artists who really has to make a decision about what she does <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today Deborah and best of luck oh, thank with, you very with much the for project you're listening to Take Care On Air and we'll be back shortly speaking to Max Primer from the Chill Out Festival. Take care out there. Take care out there. Individual health and well-being through stronger community endeavours. You're listening to Take Care on Air with Shane McMaster and Chris Hayda-Hillis. Every queer Melbourneian knows about the Chill Out Festival and lots of people from Melbourne get there every year. Dalesford, already a highly visible gay-friendly town, is transformed into a queer mecca for the weekend of the Chill Out Festival. And in the studio with us now is Max Primer, a committee member and a spokesperson for the Chill Out Festival. Welcome, Max. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Now, I Along with the Tropical Fruits New Year Festival in Lismore, Chill Out must be Australia's best-known and highest-attended queer rural festival. What do you put your success down to? I think it's just the fact that it is in such a beautiful part of the world, or part of Dales, Victoria, I mean, um, and everybody just likes to come along and have a really good weekend away, and we put a lot of effort into getting it ready every year. Yeah, so I understand there's a bit of a pirate theme going yes. on with this year. Oh, well, we usually have a theme every year for the whole weekend, but it becomes a bit difficult for people to fall into a particular 
particular theme so we decided this year we just have a theme for the parade on Sunday morning which is pirates recapturing the pearl so there's going to be a lot of pirates and swashbuckling and a few maids tied up maybe to mast or something like that but it'll be just an interesting day. Yeah, could you tell us a bit more about some of the other highlights of this year's festival? Well, pretty much well, there's a few new things. We've got Paul Capsus appearing this weekend of course. That's a bit of a coup to get Paul Capsus on board. Well, Paul's been up there a couple of times before and done shows at the Palais but this year he's at the uh, Carnival Day on Sunday in the park so it'll be a totally different audience for him usually the people who go to the Palais are more uh, your older people who, who go along and have dinner and watch a show so Paul's going to be performing for a totally gay audience or gay friendly audience out at the park this year Also in the city got the GH Hotel Boylesque dancers as Yes, the yeah, yeah. yeah the, Grey, the Greyhound Hotel boy dancers will be up there with uh, Paris mm-hmm. so that, that'll be really good for the, the yeah. night for people to watch them and we've got Dolly of course and Luke performing on Saturday night Quite a few well known performers in the Yeah that's right there, yeah. Yeah. And, and the people appearing on Sunday there's um, Sal Kimber and a few other people up there appearing on Sunday so it's going to be a pretty full on day and there's two stages out at the park there's one main stage and one smaller stage with sort of more laid back music to it And I, I noticed that you've got a thing called the Burlesque Dance Party this year Yes well that's what we've called the dance party the this big year dance party Big Dance the Party on the Sunday night right. um, and it's just called the Burlesque Dance Party so And it's popular as always oh, often as, sells yeah, out yeah, yeah. Very, very rarely does it not sell out weeks before I think there might be still a few tickets left so if anybody needs tickets to the dance party they can go online or go to Hairs and Hyenas in uh, Johnson Street is it? Johnson Street yes, Street, yeah. Yeah. and get tickets there but yeah the dance party is a very popular night and there's also a few food related events this year could you tell us a bit more about those? Yeah well at the park this year we've got I think there's nearly 85 stalls out at the park this year on the Sunday and there's more stall, food stalls than we've ever had before so there's a great variety of different food stalls and there's also the train on Saturday night which leaves which is a food and wine train that goes out from Dalesford to Bellato and back again. Oh, lovely. Which is a re- really so they still use that train line along yes, there. That There's has been repaired after yeah. the fires a couple of years yeah. ago. Bellato is just a little bit away from Trentham, isn't that's it? That's right. Yes, yeah. out that so same area. So the a train beautiful just area. toodles along right through the middle of the forest, which yeah. is really a really good trip for a lot of people who want to get on there and have a bit of food and wine. So there's sort of stuff for everyone, really. There is, yeah. And look, if you want to come up there for the weekend and just sit in your accommodation and not do anything, you can do that quite easily too. I've known people who've done that, yeah. not, not because they wanted to, but just no. because it got so trashed the first night they That's had to right. spend the rest of the time in bed. But look, <laughs> beyond that though, speaking of accommodation, how hard is it to get accommodation at this late time to get into Dalesford? It probably is getting a bit more difficult now. There'll probably be only some fairly exclusive places left. Most of the more reasonable places and the places that sleep a lot of people go very early and a lot of people do book from year to year. So a lot of people book from last year to this year and take the same accommodation every year. But I think if people want to get up there this weekend, they can get on the website www.chilloutfestival.com.au and that'll give you links to the accommodation places. Okay and finally give us the dates and the times. Okay it starts on Friday the 9th and there's an opening party from 6pm at the town hall which is in the middle of Vincent Street and that's a gold coin donation and we've got um, a happy hour from 6 till 7 and then Saturday you've got a few things on and then it finishes on Monday morning or Monday lunchtime with a brunch. And there's a choice between a bush dance and a and the dance party? Yes, and, and, the, bu- and uh, the bush dance and Dolly on Saturday night, so you can go to the bush dance or you can go to Dolly, or there's a performance down at the Old Hepburn Hotel as well, so there's two or three things to do on Saturday night. And also great food around the place, Absolutely. And, and lots and lots of tourist attractions yes, and all sorts yeah, of things yeah. to it's, do it's in Dalesford. That's right, it's a really nice place to just come and visit. Now, look, finally, Max, is Dalesford the gay-friendly place that people say it is? Yes, yes, yeah. very much so. Yeah. So, I would 
would say most 95 to 98% of the businesses get behind it and really appreciate the people that come in for the weekend and all the local traders really love the whole weekend. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, you've been hearing from Max Primer from the Chill Out Festival and you can go to chillout.com.au. That's right, Chill Out Festival. Chilloutfestival.com.au right, for yeah. any details yep. that you need and there's lots to do up there. And we hope you'll, to see you all there. We And you'll see quite a lot of us up there, I can guarantee. You've been listening to Take Care On Air and that was Max Primer and the show has gone very quickly. You have been listening to Take Care On Air. We'll be back on air next Tuesday with Kath Duncan along with Shane McMaster. And we want to thank our panel operator, the Gazman, and all our guests on today's show, Lisa Daniel, Jez Pez, Deborah Kelly and Max Primer. Until next week, it's goodbye from all of us. Also presents Take Care On Air. Interviews, current affairs and events from across Victoria. Also is your community hub and also is proud to sponsor Joy. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.